Welcome to the Difference Makers podcast presented by Waterproof. I'm your host, Justin Tamani. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the top coaches, brand managers, and athletes on earth. From starting out to where they are now, we'll explore the journey of how they became a Difference Maker. Before we keep going, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to hear more from the Difference Makers. All right, guys, we are live. This is the Difference Makers podcast. Today we have with us Nate Edwardson. If you don't know Nate, this is news with Nate today. No, I'm kidding. But this is Nate. He is a YouTuber. He's a CrossFit personality, and uh, he's been in this space for a few years now. We're gonna we're gonna deep dive into how he got started and the the come up on YouTube and what his background was before we got started, and we'll go from there. But Nate, thanks for joining us. I appreciate your time. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Is this like live, live? No, no, it's not live. No. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, like, give me a link. I'll share it. Come on. No, no. <laughs> okay. I, I, I definitely would have let you know if it was live. Uh, I mean, I don't care. I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me here, how did you get your start with with all of this? Like, you, you've got your YouTube account, mm-hmm. and you're full time on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did how did the ball get rolling? How did you get started in this whole CrossFit space, the whole YouTube space? So those are like two different stories. Like CrossFit, I found in like 2013, 2014, out of season rugby training kind of thing. And just got into that, started coaching. How I found YouTube was like completely opposite, not opposite, but completely like separate from CrossFit. Like I had, when I first started making YouTube videos, it was off inspiration from a guy named Casey Neistat, who I found his channel in like 2017 watched his daily vlogs, fell in love with it. I was like, wow, this is like a cool outlet. This is feels like, you know, something that I might enjoy doing. So I just started vlogging and I vlogged every other day for a hundred days and then every day for a hundred days. And all those videos are on my channel, but they're all private right now. Um, <laughs> but that was like back in 2017. And that was like, I was literally, I think I had like 20 subscribers. I was getting like three to four views a video. I was not talking about CrossFit. I was intentionally leaving CrossFit out of my content completely. I don't know why. I just like, I was working as a full-time CrossFit coach at the time. I was going to school full-time. So I just figured I'd like separate everything. And so I was making these videos and I was just doing it for like fun, I guess. I just like enjoyed it. Um, No idea what I want to do with it. No idea if I like, I was just doing it because I I thought Casey was cool. I liked his videos. I want to try to make something like that obviously kind of fell in love with like the process and like making videos and realized I enjoyed doing that. Um, so I started kind of seeking out opportunities to like fake content. And obviously it kind of started to make sense to do a little bit with some sort of CrossFit stuff. I wasn't vlogging or anything doing CrossFit stuff, but I was like, you know, I would make like an edit of like a workout or something like that. Um, and I got approached by Paul Tromboy from CrossFit NCR. He was out doing a seminar here. And I don't know how he like knew, maybe we just like talked about it or whatever, but they were looking for a part-time coach and someone to like do like their social media, like content, whatever for them. And I was like, just starting. I didn't own a camera at the time. Like I was just using my iPhone, whatever. But I was like, yeah, this is sweet. Like I'd love to piece those two things together. So uh, we packed up, moved to Ottawa. I worked for them for I think just about a year. And I started off just doing like content for the gym. So I would do like photos, videos, edits, montages, whatever for the gym. Beginning of 2019, we went to Wadapalooza because Paul was competing on a team. And I did like a behind the scenes series for their YouTube channel, which I had started. 
And that was really like the like spark, I think, okay. because I had like realized I had this passion in creating content and I had started to do it a little bit in CrossFit, but like I didn't really love just making content for a gym, but like documenting like the sports side of things and like just like combining that with like some vlog style content, like that was really the first time I was like, ooh, this is fun. And I got super lucky because that same weekend was the like two days after he were Marston had started the buttery bros. Like they had literally just started it. They released the acid bath video. I DM Heber and I was like, Hey, I'm going to be at Wadapalooza. If you need any help, let me know. Um, and to my surprise, he DM me back and he's like, yeah, let's meet up. <clears throat> so I just met them at Wadapalooza. He handed me a camera in the athlete spectator area and said, film us doing the gauntlet. And I was like, okay. Like I just literally <laughs> run from like filming with, he, with Paul and them and, I had no idea what was going on. He handed me this camera I'd never used before. I didn't know where the, where the record button was. And we go out onto the floor and I went up to the stands and I asked like 50 people sitting in the stands. I was like, does anyone know how to hit record on this? Like, I didn't want to tell him I didn't know how to hit record on this fancy camera because like I was pretending I was this videographer. And uh, anyway, so someone helped me find the record button. I filmed that for them. And then that kind of snowballed. And after, you know, one or two more times of just like volunteering and meeting up and like offering to help them whenever, they ended up starting to pay me and like fly me out to places to film with them. I did that until about the halfway mark of 2019. Then I got connected with Rory and Rory McKernan. He wanted to start a YouTube channel. So I went to Iceland with him and Paris in the games and recorded a bunch of like series content. And kind of at that point, it had been like eight or nine months of me obviously like creating content, making a bunch of connections, like trying a bunch of different things in the space. And I kind of just hit a point where I was like, all right, like, this is cool. I've learned how to make videos. And like, I understand that there's a market in CrossFit for this type of content. Um, but it kind of brought me back to the beginning, which is like, this isn't fun. For, I don't want to be a videographer. Like I, I became a videographer to learn how to make videos. But as soon as I felt like I knew how to make videos well, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to be a videographer for someone else. I don't like someone else telling me how to do a project, when it's done, what needs changing. Like, I just want to make what I want to make. And so I was like, that just means I'm going to have to do this for myself. So I stopped working with Heber, stopped working with Rory. And I was like, I'm going to start up my YouTube channel again. And I had like, at that point, I think I had like 90 subscribers and I never made a cent off YouTube. And I was like, let's go. I had the idea for the day in the life series. I'm like, let's make this happen. And that's kind of how it started. So many things to cover in all of it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I, I've so, given that like spiel a few times. I feel like I've narrowed it down, but I still feel like that was like five plus minutes of me just rambling. But no, that was good. Um, so I guess the first thing I, I think I noticed you in 2019. That was when I first was like, oh, this, okay. this guy's doing something. Because I was at the I was at Waterpalooza that year actually as well. But um, you know, following Paul and like knowing Paul from just like Canadian CrossFit yep, stuff. Yep. I, I noticed it and I was like, oh, you got some good stuff coming out now. Like, I, I appreciated that. And it was good to see because that was before everything really picked up content wise in the CrossFit space where like Big everybody time. started using YouTube and everybody started mm -hmm. having a channel. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's I, that was one of the first things that I noticed. Mm -hmm. But what you said about uh, approaching Heber. Mm -hmm. Mars in it and just kind of shooting your shot there mm -hmm. that that goes a long way and uh I think now even with the number of content creators in the space like that's that's such a huge and powerful thing right now is just reaching out when you know you're comfortable I mean fake it till you make it but mm -hmm. 
when you have that ability. Dude, I had, lit- I had literally been not using an iPhone to shoot for like five weeks when I messaged Tiber. Like legitimately. I had and, and I and I messaged him saying I was a videographer coming to Wadapalooza. <laughs> Can't call yourself yeah. a videographer when you use a real camera for five weeks. Like I was still editing an iMovie. I had no business helping the two best filmmakers in CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. No but way. They took you up on it. Yeah. And then so I mean you got to travel all over the world with those guys. It seems oh, yeah. like. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, 2019 was a wild year, man. That was before that was like the year, right? That was the year of the sanctionals. Or yeah, there was yeah, it was the year. first yeah. year. It was the first year of sanctionals for sure. It was like it was a really serendipitous time for sure, and I think that's really sunk into me now that I'm like a year or two removed from it because, mm. like, there were so many stars that aligned. Like, if CrossFit hadn't fired Heber and Marston and got rid of their media, like CrossFit before 2019 was like media was done by HQ. Nobody cared about anything else. Like, even if yeah. you look at like Craig's channel, like he had a big channel, but like it really blew up in 2019. Yeah. Because the CrossFit community was way more accepting and interested in, and athletes were more willing to participate in out of like even his channel. Like he started getting like big athletes to participate with his content in 2019. Then it was because no longer was there HQ making content. So like the fact that that was the time I was kind of able to like weasel my way in to the, like that side of things, it was like perfect timing for sure. Yeah. And then with Rory, Rory's channel, were you kind of right from the beginning with him? Yeah, like zero subscriber, started the channel, made his first video. I think I made his, like, every, basically every video on his channel I made up until, like, the end of 2019. And I think he kind of stopped. It, we stopped working together because I wanted to do my own thing. And he was also, like, he wasn't into the YouTube thing. I think he had just gotten his job at Mayhem. Then, yeah. So. so that, I mean, that kind of sparked a lot of change for him, too, because he was also mm-hmm. one of those people that was let go by CrossFit. Yep. In that same space. So kind of as funny as all of that was with CrossFit blowing up their media team. Oddly, it's helped the sport and it's helped the content creators in the sport more than anything else. Big time. Big time. Dude, if that door didn't open, like Buttery Bros wouldn't really have been a thing because they would still be working for HQ. I don't know if like I'm sure Craig is I don't want whatever, but like he had so many opportunities. I'm sure he would say the same thing. So many opportunities to get in even like behind the scenes stuff. Like there's no way a YouTuber would have got access to a behind the scenes at a regional event. But now that they opened up and it was a semifinal and it was these individual people running, it was like, they were letting people in. Like 2019 was a free for all, man. Like the games in 2019, that was yeah. the first time I ever had a media pass. Like, I don't know if you were there for that one, but like, it was like, it was free for all. You do whatever you wanted. Like it was wild. Yeah, no, I wasn't there in nineteen. My first media coverage was was this past year in twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did some stuff for the phase one, um, in twenty twenty. Okay. So that oh, was oh, like the online, in, phase the online one. phase one. Yeah, gotcha. but mm-hmm. yeah. So that was my first in person. So that that was, I mean, I just missed that initial wave of those things, but mm-hmm. you know, it's all good. But you guys, now with your your um, channel starting up, mm-hmm. you were able to get some partnerships from the beginning to do some of those day in the life series, right? Yeah, dude, it was, it was, it was a wild experience, man. I've like I've shared this story like a couple times, uh, and every time like nobody believes me. But it, like, <laughs> I literally like was I was making pretty good money working like contract with Heber Marston, Rory, all them, 
And when I stopped working with them to start the series, like I didn't, that was it. Like I had no job. I had no whatever. Like, and I was like dead set against ever doing another videography gig. Like I was, I was going to go work at McDonald's before I was going to be a videographer again. And so I was just like, it's, this has got to work. Like this YouTube channel thing. Like, I'm just going to try this and like, we'll just, we'll try to make it happen. And like, I remember, so I booked, I got a check from Rory for like, a decent amount after the Iceland deal. And that was basically it. That was like the last time I knew where any money was ever going to come from. And I took, so that was the same time we were moving to Vancouver as well. So we literally, I got back from the Iceland thing, I think a month later, went to the games, got back from that. And then a couple of weeks later, we left for um, Vancouver. So we were like driving on our way to Vancouver. I had booked uh, a trip to go see Allison Scuds to shoot the first episode. And then I had booked another uh, trip to go see Brent and Kelowna, Pat and Nimo, And I had booked um, flights to go to New York and Miami. So I had probably spent like 75% of that last check as we were like driving out to Vancouver. <laughs> and it was like basically that whole trip. I was just like emailing brands and just being like, Hey, I'm doing these episodes. Like any brand that was associated with the athlete I was doing. Yeah. I was just reaching out to you. I was like, Hey, I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. And like the amount of phone calls I had where I was like, yeah, so like I'm doing this and like, I need like $2,000 and they're like, okay, like, where is this going? And I'm like, on my YouTube channel. And they're like, what YouTube channel? And I'm like, well, I don't really have one yet. <laughs> and they're like, so why am I going to give you this money? So I was kind of able to use like, the, my knowledge from like being a videographer to like negotiate deals that were like I can't promise you exposure I think these videos are going to do well and I hope you get exposure from it but I'll also deliver you 20 fully edited photos of the athlete with your product I'll deliver you three short montages of the athlete with your product for your socials and that's kind of what they paid for at the beginning was I kind of more sold them like social assets from the content I was already going to be creating and that's the money I used essentially to fund the like first like three, four months of the channel before COVID when I was doing all the day in the life videos. So after like a few, after like a few, they started to like be a bit more flexible with like paying for exposure because they were getting like a lot of views. Yeah. Um, but at the beginning, like I literally had 80 subscribers. Like, can you imagine trying to ask a company for $2,000 for a video that's going to go on a channel with 80 subscribers? Like, so did anything from your time with the Buttery Bros or Rory help with some of those deals? Were you like, hey, this is what I did for these guys? Like, this is the type of content? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, you know, I don't, I don't really, I didn't make any brand connections really working with them because I was just like their camera guy. So, like, I was never on that side of it. So, I couldn't really pull from the relationship too much other than just being like, yeah, like, I could show a video I made for Rory and just be like, Hey, this is like the, the type of content or the quality of content, whatever you want to call it, that I'm going to be creating. Yeah. So like, here's something to go off of, I guess. Um, but no, I think, I think too, like I had done just like for fun, like anytime I would go on a trip with them, like the Josie, you know who I'm talking about, Josie, I don't know how to say his last name, Craig's uh, guy, life of yeah, Josie yeah, on yeah. Instagram. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. I know like, he, does, yeah. he does a great job of this. Like if he's working for like Craig or someone like that, he'll always make his own edits that go on his Instagram and he'll post photos. Like he has his own like social, right? Because yeah. of that, even though he's still working for Craig. So it's like when I was working for Rory and Hero Marston and I was at events, I would always do what I need to do for them. But then I would also take whatever footage I could and like cut up fun little edits for my own Instagram and take pictures or whatever. 
And so those, I was able to kind of be like, hey, look, here's a video I already have of Allison from the French Throwdown, this cool little edit, I'll do another version of this, of her with your product, when I go to do the day in the life video and give you that, and you pay me for that. So like, yeah. for sure, if I didn't have the like opportunities to travel with them and meet the athletes and do all that, I would have had way less to pull from to be able to like convince them to give me money, for sure. No, that's perfect then. I mean, you're, you're leveraging the situation. That's great to see. Mm -hmm. Totally. Awesome. So have you, you know, you've created some long-term partnerships based off of some of those initial, um, day in the life series. Mm -hmm. How, how is it that you've really worked to create those partnerships and, and kind of let them grow? Like, what do you actively do with them to, to kind of aid in that? Um, yeah, brand stuff has definitely evolved for me. Like when I first started working with brands, like we just talked about, it was very much like I'm making these videos. I'll give you things from these videos that are valuable to you, like clips and photos and whatever. Um, but once I started to gain a bit more of a following, I was able to obviously start selling more of the exposure and like just being in the videos and so transitioning out of, cause I, I really like, I did that to, to supplement the cost of like being able to do that series, but I hated, I hated doing social deliverables for brands. I hated clipping up my videos to make little Instagram edits for brands. Like I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I was just doing it because I had to. Yeah. So kind of the moment, you know, I, I was able to negotiate like my first contract with a brand that was purely just based off me and like being involved with my brand and my content that was the end of me doing any kind of deliverables for brands. Like now it's fully like, and it, it's even evolved a lot recently. Like you said, like obviously Wadproof has been, yep. I've been with them for our six to eight months now. Um, I've been with DECA for just about a year now and Transparent Labs I just signed with, like, I mean, they've been awesome. I've been with them for like three, four months now. And because of like kind of the initial workings with, um, you know, how I, how I moved from, deliverable type things to like integration into my brand and stuff i've been able to to accept really only the kind of brand deals that i want which are like athlete-esque brand deals and what i mean yeah. by that is like i'm not doing a month-long thing i'm not doing a three-month-long thing like i sign only 12 to 24 month deals it's like only based off exposure on my channel like i'm not doing like oh yeah i'll give you like i'll cut this up for you or i'll take these pictures or i'll do this or i'll do that like there are certain little things that are woven into some contracts. Like there's like appearance stuff and like things like that. But like outside of, you know, 98% of it, it's just like mention you in the videos, integrate you into the content. Like, and I think too, it works because it's like the, my audience, especially the audience that's like really there and really invested and watches the vlogs and the training stuff and whatever, mm. like they feel like they know me. Right. And so like yeah. integrating something into my channel, into my content, into my life, it takes time and it takes time for my audience to like trust that this is actually something that I like, I use, I agree with whatever. And then it, once we get there, it kind of becomes just like a staple part of the channel, right? Like people, you know, think of me and watch my content and they just, it just goes hand in hand. Like Decacom is just, it's in every single one of my episodes where I'm training. I talk about it all the time. So it just like, it makes so much more sense for me and I think for the brand to work off longer term relationships. Um, and again, I've just been lucky to get to a point where it's like, I'm able to kind of pick and choose. Like I say no to 98% of brands that reach out 
um, and want to do stuff because most of the time it's not what I would want to do. So, Hey, having that power is, is key, but that's, mm-hmm. that's interesting to hear your, your take on, on brands and working with brands. Like it is good to create those long-term relationships and having yep. the ability to do that and not being, you know, going from video to video and changing your, your sponsored ad every single time. It, yep. it goes a long way. Well, and I think too, a lot of like YouTubers are scared to do that because they think that like what happens if we agree on a monthly, a monthly salary late now, and then in six months, my channel's blown up and it's worth more, you know, but like, these are the conversations I have with brands all the time. It's like, I always negotiate a brand deal to be a little bit more than what it might be worth right now. Yeah with the understanding that we're signing for 12 months, I'm not going to try to renegotiate with you at any point. Like even if the channel keeps on this growth trajectory that it's been on and it's, you know, like since I signed with Wad Group, I think my channel has like at least doubled, if not tripled in terms of like monthly viewership and size and whatever. But I haven't gone back to them and tried to renegotiate our contract because I'm like, good, that's great. Like that's benefit for you. Like you signed me at this level, you, you took the risk and you trusted me that like I was going to, you know, grow and continue to do what I do and whatever. And this is your reward. You get to keep paying me what you were paying me eight months ago, even though I'm way bigger now and all new brands that come in pay way more than what you're paying, you know? And like, obviously like when the contract's up and starts again, like it's a different story, but like that's for me, I'm like, I value that because I feel like it's trust on both ends. It's like, they trust me at the beginning to, you know, like they're willing to make that investment, but I trust them that like we have this long-term partnership and they're going to be there no matter what. And to me, that's super valuable. Um, yeah. And plus long-term partnerships are just better because they're not as annoying, man. Like yeah, Adam so much is better. amazing. He doesn't message me. He doesn't tell me what to do. He just lets me do my thing. And like, he's a legend, like transparency is the same. Death is the same. Like I don't want to work with brands where like every couple days I'm getting, like they're telling me what to do or what I want, whatever. Like, it's just like, they trust me to do my thing. They know what I'm doing. And like, it's great. So. Yeah. Have you changed your approach with, with brands and, and content as things have changed kind of a little bit away from the day in the life to more news and vlogs? Totally. Yeah. Like when I was doing the day in life stuff, it was all one-off brand deals. Like it yeah. didn't, you, I couldn't do long-term things because a lot of the time there was conflict with like, obviously the majority of like what they were paying for was like, the athlete association because the day in the life videos were about the athletes. They weren't about me. I was on con. I was on camera for maybe five of the like hour and a half long, five minutes of the hour and a half long episode. So like if the brand didn't align with the athlete, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. Whereas once the content started to be about me, whether it's me commentating on the CrossFit space, me doing workouts, whatever, I could pick brands that aligned with me and also could work with them on longer term basis uh, basis because it wasn't just about like what athlete I was with that week kind of thing. Yeah. That makes sense. How did you spin and how did you decide to spin the news with Nate segment? How did you decide to, to turn into that? Dude, it was 100% serendipitous happenstance, like everything in my life. Like it just kind of fell into place. Like there was that big, uh, so basically I had started 2020 was like a big year of trying to figure stuff out. Right. Cause like I had done the day in the life series that had a lot of success and then all of a sudden COVID hit and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I had to completely reinvent the channel. And like, for like 
eight months, every time I posted a video, I would lose subscribers because they were like, this isn't the day in life series. Like, I don't want this, whatever. So I was like reinventing, <laughs> trying to figure stuff out. Like 2020 was just like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. And towards the end of the year, I guess I had just started talking about like certain things at the end of my vlogs. Like I would do like a vlog, like a training vlog, whatever. And then towards the end, I would like talk about something like whatever. And like every once in a while, some of those would start kind of like doing well. And um, I think it was like kind of beginning of 2021. There was like that whole throwing phrase of beef. And I kind of stuck my head in it, which like <laughs> was maybe not the best decision, but also like what you got to do, what you got to do when you're trying to grow. Yeah. And uh, I kind of covered that. And that was the first time I had ever just made a video where I like just talked about a topic. Like there was no vlog involved. It was just talking about a topic. Um, and so it was like maybe another like six to eight months in 2021 of like I would make videos where like the first half was a vlog and the second half was me talking about a topic. And then I kind of realized that like, you know, a lot of people who just wanted to see the news were getting pissed that there was all this vlog content. And a lot of people who just wanted to see the vlog content or wanted to see both were kind of like, eh, like it was just weird to kind of both together. So it was like towards the end of last year, I just was like, this is its own thing. Like, I think internally I struggled too, because I was like, I felt like I had like almost like imposter syndrome to like, why do people care about what I'm saying? Like if I'm not, if I'm not entertaining them at the beginning of the video with like vlog stuff. With the Wadproof Pro experience, you'll get instant access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet. From full training programs in the gym and at home to movement specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine, endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro. Like it's not, they're not gonna click just to hear me talk about something. Like that yeah. to me was like the biggest mind blowing thing ever. Um, was like accepting that it's like my commentary and my take on things and whatever is, is content. Like it's interesting, it's engaging, it's entertaining, it's whatever it is to people. And that can actually be something on its own. So it was kind of, yeah, towards the end of last year, I just was like, let's cut these and see what happens. And it just went gangbusters. The news of Nate just like took off and it's just yeah. like its own, turned into its own thing super quickly. So, and then from that like how do you decide on what you're going to cover from those stories like obviously there's you know there's a, a few like real hot button stories each week maybe yeah but how oh, do you decide on what to that. cover yeah, yeah i mean it's it's tough man like and i that's something that i've i've really changed around this year so like last year towards the end of last year when i started doing the news it was like you know i've always because i was inspired by casey and whatever like daily vlogging has always kind of been in the back of my mind like i just love I love making videos. Like I made so many videos when no one was watching them and whatever. Like I just genuinely enjoy it. So it's honestly hard for me to not make a video every day. Like as crazy as that sounds, it's like, it's really hard for me to not upload Monday to Friday, no yeah. matter what it is. And so there was a good amount of time last year where I would just like every single morning, I would come to my office, I would sit down, I would read morning chalk up, I would go through Instagram. And if there was a big story, easy, easy day, I would yeah. just talk about it. But if there wasn't, I would go through this like fucking insane like process of just like I would write down like I had this thing where I'd write down the lit the names of like the top 20 athletes from the past year's games. And I would literally just go through the list every morning and I would just like say their name and just like start talking about them to myself until I like maybe had an idea. And if I didn't get one, I would move on. So like I would be like Tia Claire Toomey, Tia Claire Toomey wins the games, Tia Claire Toomey now doing the Olympics, Tia Claire Toomey bobsledding, will Tia Claire Toomey's bobsledding affect her at the CrossFit Games? Oh, there's a title, you know? And like, I would kind of just like do that until I thought I had something interesting to talk about. 
and I would make a video. Now, because I wanted to bring back, and with that, I kind of lost a bit of my vlogging format. I wasn't sure how I wanted to make vlogs. I didn't like just making like lifestyle daily vlogs anymore in the sense of like, I wasn't, I didn't like the content that was coming from me just picking up the camera, having no idea what I was going to do and just filming my day. I don't like forcing content out of my life. So because there was a void of that, I just started making more news videos, but I was making so many news videos that a lot of the time I also wasn't super stoked on like the outcome and like what I was talking about. Um, so yeah, they kind of evolved to like this year now. It's like, it's much less of me like forcing anything and much more of just like, if there's something that is boom, it's there, it makes sense. I'm actually interested to talk about it. I actually think I have a very interesting perspective to share, then I'll do it. But if not, I won't. Okay. that makes sense that's good yeah, yeah. Uh, going back to that the the way that you decided on that like mm -hmm. that that's cool like and that shows like your creativity and and your ability to uh to brainstorm i guess but i think i would do something like that i would get started and be like nah i'm out of here like i'm not doing this right, right. <laughs> like to be able to run down the names and go okay like what's what's newsworthy what's a story and break that down in your mind yeah that's pretty cool yeah, I mean, I think it kind of, it came from like I said, like I just love making videos. Like I, 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 it's not a good day for me if I don't make a video. Like I love making YouTube videos. I, I want to make a video every single day, and it's just like fun for me. And so that plus the fact that I'm just I've always been just a person that gets like maniacally obsessed over like whatever it is I'm into. Like whether it was like a sport in high school or whatever. Like YouTube is like all I think about. It's all I talk about. It's all I want to do. It's all I care about. Like I literally don't do anything else other than make YouTube videos and like. That even goes back to the brand conversations. Like the reasons why I say no to 98% of brands is because I'm like, I just don't want to work anymore on anything else but YouTube. Like I just yeah. want to make the best videos possible. I'll carry as many sponsors as like I feel like won't impact that. And the bigger I go to the channel, the more money I'll make from the channel, the more I can also charge the brands I'm already working with. Like I don't need to say yes to I could be way more rich if I said yes to every brand opportunity. But I just don't because I'm like, I don't want it to impact my ability to make YouTube videos. And like every single day, it's just like, it's all I care about. It's all I want to do. It's all whatever. And so that leads to like me just, I feel like doing things that like most people wouldn't do, which is like, if you don't have a video or a topic, I'll just sit there until I come up with one. Like it would literally be like three, four hours of me just sitting here, like talking to myself until I would come up with a topic. And I just did that every single day for like six months. <laughs> I don't know how you did that, but that's impressive. <laughs> But then you, I mean, you got it done. You, you put out content that was worth watching and, and that was notable. Mm -hmm. So that was, that's good. Have you ever with, you know, with some of the news that you've done, like, do you get a lot of backlash for some of the things you decide to cover? Um, it's been infrequent. Like I've had like one or two instances where there's been like a little bit of something, but most of those ones I look back on and I'm like, most were good learning experiences. Like I just like, I think it's, you know, you're trying to push the envelope a little bit to be interesting because it's like, I'm not like, obviously Morgan Jacob has done stuff where they're like, people get mad for sure. But like, they're a newspaper or whatever. Like, that's yeah. literally what they do. Like, I'm a content creator. It's very different. I'm a YouTuber. Like, I, like, my whole game is about getting people to click on a video and then be interested in that video and watch it all the way through and want to subscribe and come back for more, you know? And so it's like, Obviously, I'm always pushing the envelope of like, what's bigger, what's better, what's more interesting, what's this, what's that. But then there also comes a time of like, you have to kind of 
you know, make long-term decisions too. Like I, I'm not going to stick my head, like, dude, the amount of times, like I had, and I, I think one of my absolute talents as a YouTuber is I'm really good at coming up with title and thumbnails. I think that's one of the things that's really helped my channel is like, I'm yeah. just naturally, I know how to word things, I think better than a lot of people to make it interesting. But it's like with great power comes great responsibility type thing. Like I, I, I try to be really aware of like relationship management and like, just genuinely thinking about like how valuable is like one video that's going to blow up versus like what it might do. And so, you know, I think I'm very positive. I think in my content, like no matter what the title thumbnail is, if you click on it, I hardly ever have a negative outlook or take on something. And I kind of do that on purpose. Like I, I will, of course, if there's something really in your face and I have like a, like the Castro thing, like my opinion on that was like, I was cool that he was fired. And like, there were a lot of people that didn't like that. And, but that was one that was like so big. I wasn't going to be disingenuous and hide my whatever. And I, I make a point to never be disingenuous. Like I'm never like lying when I say that I support something or I like something, but I will intentionally not talk about stuff that I like, that would be like a controversial opinion. Somehow, you know, just because this is like, there's just no point. Like I'm not out there. I don't want to be a drama thing. Like I don't want my news videos to turn into like a drama thing. You know what I mean? And like, I've, I've definitely dipped my toe in that from here and there. But I think from those I've learned that it's just like, it's just not, I don't love it. It's not my thing. It's not, you know, my whole channel isn't based around it. So I don't want that to be something that just like becomes, you know, whatever. But yeah. I'm telling you, man, the better you get at making YouTube videos, the harder it is to not make those like absolute <laughs> bangers that you know would go yeah. even though you know it's the low-hanging fruit it isn't it isn't like it is but it's like i feel like sometimes it's like again i know how to package it in a way that will like make it the most low-hanging fruit to like yeah for the audience to grab but it's like i just i'm like eh, this isn't worth it sit this one out mate <laughs> i think for people who maybe aren't super entrenched in like the youtube culture don't understand how important a good thumbnail and a good title is I mean, I'm, I'm sure people understand how good a good title is, but the thumbnail is almost more important than the title sometimes. Yeah, people don't understand, man. If you if you haven't, I would go so far as to say, if you haven't clicked upload and your rent that month depended on it, you have no idea how important a title thumbnail is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I don't get people to click on my content, I don't pay rent. Like it's, yeah. it's that black and white, you know? I mean, that's not that dramatic now because I have sponsors and stuff like that. But like, it, for the most part, it's like, it really is like my, my job. It really is my, like what gets my paycheck sent to me is being able to entice people to watch a video. So like it, it's a lot of pressure, man. Cause like you can make, and I think a lot of creatives have this problem when, when creatives, and I learned this lesson too, when, when people like you or people like Josie or people like whatever, who are just artists at their craft whatever like really really good at creating high quality content if you guys were to try to come over to youtube it would probably be a big learning curve of like it doesn't matter how great you're like you can put your heart and soul into something make the best piece of content ever but if you don't package it properly nobody's gonna give a fuck it could be like literally the sistine chapel roof is painted in one of your videos and nobody would give a fuck if you don't title and thumbnail it properly because yeah. it's just like people people need to be enticed to click on it. There's so many videos on YouTube. There's hundreds of millions of videos getting uploaded every single day on YouTube in order to stand out. Like you have, but and then, and then that's the other side of things is like it's not just enough to obviously get people to click on it. You have to make a good video too. So it's like it's yeah. definitely both sides of it. Like if you're video, if you just clickbait people, 
and type, which a lot of people do, you title a thumbnail on something that isn't the video and they click on and then they click off right away. YouTube's algorithm is smart and it realizes that like that person, like so many, it will literally say it in YouTube studio where it's like you didn't accurately represent your content in the title thumbnail because 57% of people are clicking off in the first 10 seconds. So, and they just don't push your video and your video dies. It doesn't matter how good your title thumbnail is. So it's like, it's funny. It's like a double-edged thing. It's like title thumbnail is super important. It's tough for people to wrap their head around, especially if they're creatives coming into the space because you, you try to make the best video possible, but if you don't package it well, it won't succeed. But then it's the other side, just because you learn how to title the thumbnail really well, if you don't know how to make a really great video, it's also going to do that. So yeah. it's like, you really have to be able to blend both of the things together, which is so hard, <laughs> so hard. And that's the, the, one of the other things too, is like that, you know, there's not really a chronological feed unless you go to your subscribers, your, your homepage is just whatever YouTube decides to, to give to you. You know, sometimes it's Instagram and for, you know, Instagram is definitely not chronological anymore mm -hmm. and it is very much based on that. And I, so I know exactly what you mean when you say that, but the mm -hmm. way that I put out content on Instagram is so different than how you would have to on, and it's so much more, it's less time consuming to build that content for the most sure. part. Yep. Um, but it almost feels like you're rolling the dice sometimes. Every time. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Every time yeah. I upload, I, I refresh the YouTube studio app every five minutes. And I know exactly how many views at each five minute interval it should be getting to be like what level of video and YouTube ranks after 30 minutes, YouTube will rank your video one to 10. So out of your last 10 uploads, where is it performing right now in relation to your last 10 and one to 10. So it's like one, one out of 10 is the best out of the last 10, 10 out of 10 is the worst. And that, yeah. let me tell you, is the worst feeling on planet Earth is when you see that 10 out of 10. And so, yeah, it's just, it's like a constant, like, uh, a, a mental, like, just beat down of, like, trying to, like, see how it's going or whatever. And, like, you can think you have a 1 out of 10 coming down the pipeline and then the hits and it's, like, 8 out of 10. And it's just demoralizing sometimes, yeah. for sure. Do you ever change a thumbnail or change a title and... Does that impact the the results or the views? I've tried that maybe two or three times. Um, definitely haven't done it in a long time because it doesn't, I don't think. Like it yeah. does and it doesn't. Like if the way I see it is like if you get to a point where you've hit upload and you're starting to frantically change title and thumbnails, you screwed up like 10 steps back. Like it's dead in the water. Like yeah. you, you, there was just, because it all has to blend. Like I said, right? Like if you, you have to make it a, a super enticing title. You have to make a super enticing thumbnail, but then you have to have a video that aligns with that title thumbnail. So people stay on that video. If your retention is less than like 40, 50%, YouTube is going to kill the video just as they would if nobody's clicking on it. Yeah. And so it's like, you can't like, just because you upload a video with a bad title thumbnail and people aren't clicking on it. And then you try to change that. Well, what are you going to change it to? You already made the best title thumbnail you thought you possibly could. So now you're going to be going like outside the box a little bit and you're going to be getting a little fishy with like whatever. And like you might make a more enticing title thumbnail, but it, it will probably be less in relation to the actual video. So more people will click on it initially, but then they'll see that it's not as related to the actual video. So then they'll click off because they're upset and then YouTube will still bury it. So it, it it's just like, it's tough, man. If you, if you're at that point, it's more just like 
you you you've kind of messed up like just move on to the next one like yeah. you can you can do you can try and change the thumbnail and repackage it but it's probably not gonna work out well for you it's a double-edged sword right there for sure do you find that you know like has being in canada as opposed to being in the states or being in europe affected your growth on youtube do you think um i have no idea i don't really have much of a point of comparison like yeah i don't know I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like, I think it's funny when people assume that my audience is Canadian. My audience is more American and UK based than it is Canadian by a long shot. Like my demo is like 51% American, like 16% UK and like 9% Canadian. That's the next biggest. And then like Australia is like 8%. So it's like, they're basically the same. So like Canada is basically the third or fourth largest part of my demographic. So like, it's not, it's definitely not, you know, I don't think, and that would be different if I was in the States or if I was in the UK, like maybe if I was in the UK, I'm sure Craig has a pretty big demographic of people from the UK, but it might also be the same as me. And like his UK is actually kind of the same as like his second or third biggest one. Um, mm-hmm. I think because CrossFit is like so dominant in the States, if you make content about CrossFit, always the majority of your demographic will be in the States. Um, so yeah, I don't really think it's made too much of a difference. Like, as a Canadian, we can travel to the States, obviously, without visas. So it makes it easy to, like, go over and shoot content. Like, it's never really that yeah. big of a headache. Um, same with the UK. We can travel there. No visas. So, like, whereas, like, obviously, like, the UK, I think they have to get visas to travel to Canada and the States, or at least the States. Um, so that would have been a bit of a headache, maybe. But, yeah. I mean, I don't really have much of a point of comparison. But based off those things, I don't really think it's yeah. made much of a difference. No, that's something I've always wondered about. Like if that, if the YouTube algorithm pushes it just to everybody who's interested in the subject or if it's location-based. No, it's know. everyone who's interested in the subject for sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you decided to go full-time YouTube and you mm-hmm. dove into it, how long were you, I mean, you had to have just committed fully to being like, I'm all in for this. Yep. Were you, what was like, the runway like because you didn't have a youtube channel before you started and decided to go full-time into it i didn't have a successful one i had one but okay, i yeah, had yeah. like 80 subscribers yeah yeah so what is that feeling like like you you have a couple months runway mm-hmm. and then you just start grinding like how did you what was like the moment you knew like i can do this full-time this is gonna work <laughs> i don't know man I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those absolute weirdos that just like, it, it was just, it's just things like that are just never questions. Like it was, it's like playing sports as a kid. Like I just always knew that I was going to make the top team. I was always going to, I was always going to make the varsity team. I've never been cut from a team in my life. Like it's, yeah. it's just like, and I'm not trying to sound like a cocky, arrogant prick, but it's just like, I've just always like anything I've ever done. I feel like I've been self-aware enough to know at the beginning, whether it was something I could be successful in. And as soon as I, it's like an intrinsic feeling, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this little, just like tingle inside. That's like, oh yeah, okay, this aligns. And like, even if I've had no success at it before, like YouTube, I literally had nothing but signs that I was not going to be successful. Like I had been making videos for two years on my own, never got more than like 10 views a video, 80 subscribers, never made a cent off of it. Like there was no logistical reason to why I should dive in and be successful as a YouTuber now. Like, why was it going to be different? You know? But I just had this, like, for sure, just like this feeling. Even back then, though, when I was making the videos, I was like, it's just going to be a matter of time. Like, I just, like, it sounded so arrogant, but I just knew it. I was like, 
I don't care that nobody's watching these right now. I don't care that the channel's not growing right now. I know eventually it's going to click and I'm going to find my stride and it's going to work. And I just like felt like I knew that. So even when I took the year off to like do the video stuff with like the other guys, it was still kind of always in the back of my mind. And I think for me, it was like the moment I just stopped enjoying making videos for other people was when I was like, why do I make videos? I make videos because I like YouTube. Let's go like right away. Let's just go. So, and then, I mean, I just, the reason why I started full time is because it was like, I felt like I had no other option. It's just like, I'm not, I hate making videos for other people. So I, I would work at, literally, I would work at McDonald's before I make videos for other people. I don't want to go work at McDonald's. Working at McDonald's would get in the way of me being able to travel to start this series. So I'm like, I have no option. I'm just going to start this and I'm just going to have to make it work because a job would get in the way and I don't want to make videos for other people. So I just felt like I had no option. That's awesome. Because I mean, you hear so many stories about people who already have successful channels before they take it full time. Yeah. You know totally. what I mean? Like I know people that are working like three, two jobs, like marketing, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they've got a ton of subscribers on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then it's not until, you know, they hit some sort of milestone mm -hmm. years down the line of having his channel before they, they just dive into it. So it's awesome to see that you can just, you know, you made it work. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's just you, like, again, like just because you have less subscribers, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make less money or get less views. Like you just, like, I think the thing that separated me at first was like, I was, I, I posted almost every day for the first, and I still basically post every single day. And I've been doing it for like almost two years now, you know? And so like, it's just like, I, I think I probably get a very similar, maybe not right now, but like I've had months where I've probably had pretty similar monthly viewerships to channels that are way bigger than me because I'm the only one that's posting every single day, basically, you know? So like yeah. in my brain, it's just like a, I also, I, to go back to your last question, like I've never in my life had the ability to like care about something I don't care about. And it's just like that. Like when I was in school and like, like literally when I started making YouTube videos, like on my own, whatever, I was a full-time student at, like a university, right? Mm -hmm. And I just literally stopped going to classes so I could make these videos that nobody was watching and that weren't making me any money and weren't like, because I just realized I was like, oh, I don't care about this business degree. I wanna make videos. And I just like, it was like hard stop immediately. I can't do anything else. This is all I wanna think about and focus on, that's it. So it's like, that was kind of the same thing when I started doing it on my own is it's just like, I was just obsessed, like completely obsessed. I still am. Like it's, I just, I can't imagine doing anything else. like. At all. Yeah. And if I did, it would be the most half-assed, like worst, you know what I mean? Like there's just yeah. nothing I could do right now other than make YouTube videos and have it go well. So, I mean, does being your own boss, is that one of the biggest motivating factors then? I don't like being told what to do for sure. And like, yeah. I've like, like, like self realized that over the years that like, I don't know whether it was like some childhood stuff or whatever, but like, I've always opposed, um, had opposition to like whatever someone telling me what to do and like even the few real jobs i've had which i haven't really had any it's like anytime someone would tell me i was wrong or like how to do something differently it just and i didn't agree with them or i didn't think they should be telling me that like i just i hated it i hated that feeling i didn't and i just ran away from it i think that was definitely like I never, I, I would never have identified myself as like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to run my own business. I just like subconsciously ran away from ever having like someone tell me what to do. 
And again, I think that's what led me into making my own YouTube channel versus working for, because like Keeper, Marcy, and Rory, they're like the best people ever. Like they were great people to be telling you what to do. And to like anyone who can handle that, it was great. Like they were by no means, it wasn't their fault. I just like hated even the nicest people in the world telling me what to do. You know? <laughs> that's a great way to put it. I hated the nicest people in the world telling me what to do. That's how you know you can't have a real job. It's like if you're even, even if, those guys who are literally some of the nicest people in the world are telling you what to do and you still are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that feeling. I definitely know that feeling. Awesome. Dude. I'm, I'm so impressed by what you've been able to do and what you've been able to, to accomplish in this space. It's been, a, I mean, what, three years now, it, roughly since, since Wadapalooza and, and the, yeah, 2019 Wadapalooza yeah. would be three years. So, yeah. So that was the first time I started making videos in CrossFit. I mean, and that's, you know, you got in at the right time and you just started, you you ran with it. Mm -hmm. yeah, what's what's it. kind of the next thing for you? What's what's on the radar for the next coming months? Like, we got the Open coming up. Um, do you have any plans to, to revisit the Day in the Life series? Like, what do you mm -hmm. got going on? Yeah, I talked about it. I made like a video on like, I think New Year's or something like that. Um, just like a quick update video. And I basically like, I'm doing the news with Nate isn't going anywhere. Obviously that's been super successful and I really do enjoy making those videos, but I'm only going to make ones that I actually think are interesting. I'm not going to do the thing I used to do where I would like just make a video at all costs because like, I, I really want to make the best videos possible. Like the more I study YouTube, the more I get obsessed with it, whatever. I want to make the best video possible every single time I hit upload and I refuse to upload a video that I don't think is like the best I could possibly make. So news and Nate staying, but it's probably gonna be way less frequent, like maybe two, three times a week, only if I feel like there's a really, really good thing to talk about. I want to bring back the vlogs, but they've got to be within my value prop. That's one thing I've learned is like, I don't want to just make vlogs about whatever. They want, I want them to be about CrossFit. I want them to be interesting, entertaining, to provide some sort of value, whatever. And that's starting this year with the Road to the Open series, which I'm doing right now, which I'm going to release an episode of like as soon as we're done talking. Um, and then day in life for sure, but it's just like when I can afford it. Like those are expensive to make, man. And yeah. like I, I have enough brands now that there are a lot of conflicts. And then also, like I said, I just, I don't, I don't enjoy I feel like the things that those bigger brands would want me to do to fund, like, cause those are expensive, right? Like if I'm working with a brand, it's like five to $10,000 that like I'm asking for in order to make an episode like that. Like in order to get that much money from a brand with a channel of my size, typically they want a lot. And like, I'm just not yeah. willing to do not like a lot of work, but they want a lot of say in what goes into the video and i'm just not willing to do that like I, again like i said at the beginning i'm not willing to sacrifice my level of content to have like i don't want my my videos to be commercials oh my goodness i hate it like yeah the super well polished brands integration that's every 10 seconds you see another sponsorship like i you, you you've seen that on youtube before and it's just like what are we doing here guys like this isn't youtube like, what's going on so like yeah. that's something i really want to run away from so the day in life series is like, it's just like wait until I can afford to do it without having to sell my soul to like a brand to make it happen. Um, and then, yeah, I do want to travel for sure. But again, it's kind of the same thing. Like it just has to make sense financially. Um, so, yeah. Okay. What now segueing from that, mm -hmm. you know, just to talk about 
CrossFit and the season real quick. Yeah, sure. What are some of the big storylines you're looking forward to looking at this season? Mm, I'd love to see our young Canadian talent on the ladies' side really excel. Like, I'm really excited to watch, like, Emma Lawson, Annika Greer, Freya, those three girls specifically who have had, like, amazing performances at, you know, other events. Excited to see how they do. I think all three of them will probably qualify for our Canadian semifinal Atlas Games. And through there to the games, um, I think would be really cool to see. So I'm excited for that. Um, I want Pat to win the game. So Pat's got to win the games. Like, it's just, it's like you and me are in the same boat with that one, man. It's like, I, I just, like, I thought it was going to happen last year. I really did. If he obviously yeah. didn't have the swim event, it, it would have happened. So, like, he's so close, man. And, like, the swimming looked good at Wadapalooza. And, like, I don't know. He just, he, I, I need him to win one just for me. I don't care about him. I just, I need him <laughs> to win one. Um, so yeah, I want to see that happen. I'm obviously cheering for that. Um, those are kind of the two big ones that jump into my mind and obviously both Canadian, both whatever, but yeah. Do you think Canadians should go to the other North American semifinals as opposed to just being in, in, um, doing the Atlas one? Sure. I mean, wherever they think they can qualify, like, it, yeah. I, I don't know if that is really like, I don't know how the selection process works for like picking your semifinal. If it's the same as it was last year, it's like you pick your top three and CrossFit just kind of slots you in based off like a bunch of different factors. Mm -hmm. So if that's the same, they might not really get much of a choice. Um, but I would also say that like Atlas games is a pretty easy one, like relatively, like, you know what I mean? Like there's like most of the North American ones are really, really tough. Atlas games is probably one of the easier ones just based off, like, especially on the men's side, like there's really oh, I not agree with you. you think? I think, no, I think the, the men's is the, or sorry. Well, the Atlas is the hardest yeah. one to get in. Look at the top men. Well, no, I mean, sorry. Like I was saying like the men are like locked, like they're, Oh like, yes, yes, top, yes. The top five is like pretty much not budging, but I think still like all of those guys, like, I don't know. I think it goes like top five. And then pretty easy. You know what I mean? Like, but I think yeah. that's kind of the same at like a lot of them. So like, I don't know, man, I, I feel like, I feel like the elite of the elite won't have a problem qualifying. That's, that's, I think, and I, I'm not, I'm definitely not and never claim to be like extremely knowledgeable of like spots 10 through 40 and like have yeah. the stats. Like I'm not a stats guy. I'm like a no. reaction commentary, give my thoughts, whatever. So like, I don't know, I could be wrong, but like, as far as like the elite of the elite go, I feel like like Pat can show up to anyone he wants and qualify. Jeff Adler can show up to anyone he wants and qualify. Sam yeah. Cornier, Alexander Carone, like those guys don't have issues. And that's kind of what I mean by like, they could like, I don't know, they're, there's not much of a challenge for them at Atlas games. I'm just talking about them. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. yeah. I just think it was a, it's a deep field. Like that Atlas games field is, is one of the deepest, Maybe. especially yeah. it was forced to be last year because of, uh, Last Canadians year was weird for sure. Yeah. Like I think this year you'll definitely like, I think Brent really wanted to go to an American one last year. So like maybe he does that again. I think that was more so he could be in person, but maybe he does that again. Like there, there definitely will be some spreading out, but I also like, I don't, again, if it's the same format as last year, like you don't really get to pick and choose that much. You know what I mean? Like you, it's like a yeah. little bit of a ranking system, but like you kind of just have to play the hand you're dealt. So like, yeah, that's what I'm saying is like, I think the, the athletes, the elite athletes who are going to be contending for top 10 spots of the games, like they don't care. They know whatever semifinal they're going to, they're going to qualify. 
And I think the people with those mentalities, the big names we talk about are like, it's not going to matter, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. All right, Nate, on that note, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Uh, we, where can everybody find you? We got the YouTube channel. Yep. Yeah. Everything's and, just Nate Edwardson. I mean, I only really do YouTube. Instagram is kind of just like, if you really think I'm interesting, you can follow me there because it's just more of my life. But like at the same time, like probably not, I don't try too hard on Instagram. It's pretty much just YouTube. So <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time guys. Go check out Nate's channel. Uh, tons of content coming out. How often do you post? Basically every day. All right. Daily content from Nate. Nate Edwardson at YouTube. Check him out. All right, Nate. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. We'll catch up soon. Every training session introduces a series of questions. Am I happy with my performance? Where could I have gone faster? When will I be ready to go again? For Wadproof Pro athletes, also this question. What can I learn from that workout? With a Wadproof Pro subscription, you gain access to a complete training toolbox. From a full-featured exercise log, to side-by-side -side comparisons, to the ability to record your heart rate right alongside your rounds and reps. You have at your fingertips everything you need to learn, to make progress, and to go into tomorrow's training more prepared than today's. The best athletes are the best students, and with your Wadproof Pro subscription, you will have in your pocket the education you need to elevate your training and uncover the many lessons that every single workout offers you. Subscribe today so you can get better tomorrow.